Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Design Build Hunt podcast presented by Whitetail Partners. Here we cover all things whitetail property design, habitat improvement, and hunting strategy. Let's change your property for good. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Design Build Hunt podcast, which is presented by Whitetail Partners. I'm your host, Josh Raley from Whitetail Partners, Georgia. We've got Jake from Whitetail Partners, Michigan on the line, as well as a new face for us today, Brennan. Brennan, how's it going? It's going good. Um, I'm super excited to be part of this team. Uh, I'm very, very excited. I've been in touch with Sam for quite a long time now. Um, And he finally, you know, made I made the leap and he wanted me to come on and I'm, I'm super excited that I did it. Well, I know that we are glad to have you. I know uh, I've been watching you from afar on Instagram for a while anyway. So, like, I was familiar with you and know kind of some of the stuff that you've done. But uh, why don't you tell the folks how you got linked up with Whitetail Partners and, you know, maybe how you got into doing habitat work in the first place? Yeah, so um, so I grew up here in central New York. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a family farm that I could experiment on. Um, a lot of people don't have that opportunity, so I feel extremely grateful that I do have that opportunity. Um, and, you know, like the, the rest of us, I'm, I've been infatuated with deer, just absolutely obsessed. And I actually ran across Sam and Whitetail Partners a little over a year ago now. And I just reached out. I, I sent him a message. I said, hey, uh, I'd be really, really excited. And I'd, I'd love the opportunity to be a part of the team. Um, and he said, you know, let's let's start with this. You know, you start to do your own thing. Um, and let's see what happens and, and maybe, you know, maybe we can bring you on eventually. So I started doing my own thing. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, and I continue to love it. And then finally, after a year, um, I, I finally made the leap and I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Well, we're glad to have you on the team as I've, I've told a lot of folks before. Uh, and, and even now I'm, you know, I'm telling people as, uh, it seems like everybody that I'm talking to now on a property kind of feels like they know us each a bit because they're watching these episodes. So like, you know, we're talking about, oh, yeah, Lee said this thing on the podcast or Jake said this thing on the podcast. And I always reiterate because they ask about the team and I'm like, I've never worked with a better team mm-hmm. in my life. 
like I've worked in a lot of great places and I've worked on a lot of teams that uh, where uh, teamwork was supposed to be highly valued and each, you know, each person's contribution was supposed to be highly valued. And it was, but I feel like this team is very unique among the teams that I've worked with. So uh, thankful for this team, definitely. And thankful that Brennan could join us. So uh, guys tonight, I think there's not a better topic for us to talk about this evening than to talk about cold proofing your property. And I say this as this morning, it was 10 degrees here in Georgia. All right. Now you guys are in New York and in Michigan. I understand 10 degrees. You're like, oh, okay. So it was like December. No, no. 10 degrees here is like Armageddon. Okay. So the grocery store is out of stuff. Okay. We don't have bread. We don't have milk. It's all gone right now. 10 degrees is a big, big deal. Schools are shut down. Uh, My kids, by the way, their school at 42 degrees no longer does outdoor PE or recess. So 42 is the cutoff. They have to be inside if it's below 42. Just to give you a little taste. So 10 degrees, people think the world may legitimately be coming to an end. Okay. So big deal for us. You guys have had some cold weather too. How's it looking where you are? Yeah, here, here in Michigan, I think we're at 15 degrees right now, but earlier in the week, we were at one, uh, three degrees, which, which isn't uncommon this time of year. We're, we're used to it. It's, my kids have been out of school for the last couple of days, though. It's, it's mainly because the roads, uh, the, the way the snow came down, just had a lot of heavy, wet snow first, then it froze before the trucks were able to, the plow trucks were able to get out there, and so they're not really uh, wait, waiting to take the risk on getting those buses on the roads. But I, I'm surprised you guys are even working down in Georgia. I remember seeing pictures uh, of the highways down there. Like if, if it's even like 30 degrees down there, everyone just leaves their car on the highway. It looks like the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> You're talking about, uh, what was it? Snowmageddon in, yeah. uh, in Atlanta a couple of years ago, man. Yeah, it was, it was, it was sketchy. Um, Got like a light yeah. dusting and everyone just left their car on the highway. <laughs> yeah, it can get, it can get ugly real quick here. Luckily, uh, I haven't had a whole lot of a reason to leave the house, but uh, hey, it has been very cold. Brennan, what's it what's it been like where you guys are for for the winter so far? Yeah, I mean it's actually been a, a fairly mild winter until you know this past week. Um, the majority of the state's been hammered by snow, but we've been lucked out here in central New York. I'm I'm in Shenango County, so it's it's you know we only have a couple inches of snow, but it has been brutally cold. Uh, today it was about 10 degrees. It felt like three. It said on my weather app. Um, and I worked outside all day in it. So, uh, it, you know, it's really not the, the temperature that gets you is the wind. It, any, any sort of brisk right. breeze, it is just absolutely brutal. Um, but right. I made it, I'm here and, uh, I am ready for a little bit warmer temperatures though. Yeah. You haven't showed us your hands yet though. So I don't know. Do you still have fingertips or are we? <laughs> hey, they're okay. still oh, here. They they're still all, right. here. <laughs> all 10. All right. All 10, man, that, that, that would have been really bad if you'd held them up and they're like turning black and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, maybe we should call this short and. <laughs> Uh, send you to the hospital. So, uh, but guys, I bring this up because, um, you know, there are two major stress periods and this is where the regional approach of Whitetail Partners comes in, comes in handy right here, right? There are two uh, stress periods on deer oftentimes, uh, late winter and sometimes later on in the summer when it's really, really hot. Now for us down here in the South, typically the summer stress period is worse than the winter stress period. That's when even the food outside is starting to kind of dry up and things are not looking good until we start to get some of those cooler fall days. The fall mass crop starts to fall and we're, we're back in good shape again. But obviously winter, major stress period on the wildlife. And so there's a lot that we can do as habitat managers 
to take care of our herd or make sure that our properties are at least going to be holding deer, providing them security, providing them with the things that they need throughout the winter so that we have a healthy herd going into the spring so that we're not seeing undue mortality or, you know, mortality at a rate that's, that's higher than, uh, you know, what's going on around us, certainly. Um, but we want to maintain as many, especially those older age class bucks, as we possibly can. So I thought what we could do today is to talk specifically about the winter stress period and what you can do on your property to make sure that your place is ready. So who wants to jump in first and, and talk about some of the stuff that, that we can do for our properties to, to get our deer through? I can jump on that. And, and right, really what we're trying to do, I guess, in, in the winter is just you help these deer out as much as we can. Like you said, Josh, this is a really stressful time for them. And you know, they're, they're trying to conserve as much energy as possible. So they come into spring as healthy as possible. And, and if, and if and that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to bring as healthy of a deer herd in, into the spring as we can. We're not going to here in Michigan anyways, in the mid, mid to uh, lower part of the lower peninsula, we're not going to really have much winter kill e even on those really harsh winter stretches. Like the deer are going to survive, but we don't really just want the deer to survive. We want them to thrive. Right. right. Because right. the healthier of a herd that you bring into the spring, the, the better, uh, the, the higher fawn recruitment you're going to have. You're going to have healthier fawns, better milk production with mom and those bucks. In, instead of having to recuperate from winter and, and build up all that, the, the fat and just, just, you know, uh, recover from winter, they can put all that energy into antler production. So you're, you're going to have, for, for those of you guys that are, are trying to shoot, you know, larger antler deer, you're, you want to make sure that they are healthy throughout the winter so they don't have to necessarily recover from winter and, and put more of that uh, energy into either uh, fawn production, milk production, and, and antler development. And, and there are several things that we can do uh, on our properties to accomplish that. And it kind of comes down to two things. One is making sure that they conserve energy. And then two, making sure that we're providing nutrition on our property during the winter months. So, I mean, we can kind of dive into those two things a little bit further, but th those are the two things that really in the winter uh, that we can do on our properties to, to help them out. Right. And, and we can really think about that from something as simple as a formula of energy and energy out. Right. Right. So we, we really can reduce it to that. So what can we do to minimize energy, energy out, maximize energy in for these deer? So Brennan, do you want to cover some of the things that uh, you're doing or you're maybe helping your clients accomplish to, you know, help these deer through the winter so that, like Jake was saying, they don't have a long recovery period once we get into the spring. Yeah, definitely. Um, so just like Jake in our area, actually central New York where I'm located, you know, we don't get a ton of winter kill just because, you know, we don't get a ton of snow compared to other parts of the region of the country. Um, now you go up into uh, northern New York, you get up towards Messina, which is up near the border. Um, and obviously in the Adirondacks, you're going to get, you know, some pretty uh, rough terrain and really, really high snowfall. Um, so I actually went to a client last year and he had the absolute prime property for a, a winter yarding area. So it's a low lying area, not up in the mountains, with, so it's not going to re, uh, receive very much snowfall. And it was a white cedar swamp, which is just absolutely perfect. And what I recommended for him is uh, to go in there and actually let's clear some of the canopy around those white cedars. So what we're trying to do is get that regeneration as close as possible to those white cedars as, as possible so that the deer do not have to travel very far um, to get 
you know, the, the nutrition that they're looking for. Uh, if, if our listeners don't know about the white cedar, I mean, it's a, it's a really, really good winter browse for deer. Um, it's not one a lot of people think about because when you think about a conifer, um, a spruce, you know, it's just, it's not something they tend to eat. But for the white cedar, they absolutely love it. And it's one of the only plants that they can eat. And, and you know, we we're talking about the energy balance right there. It's one of the only plants that they can eat and actually get enough energy from it um, to regain what they had to spend going out to get it. Um, not only that, if they're, if they're growing in a dense thicket, uh, it almost creates like a roof. So underneath those white cedar, there's not going to be as much snowfall as outside of that white cedar thicket. So um, that's just one example that we can use, but it's, it's one of my prime uh, species, one of my prime trees that I like to look for, for that winter cover. Man, I really like that. So you're, you're shortening that distance that they have to travel, right? We're making sure that we've got that food butted right up against that cover. And, you know, that can be duplicated across a multitude of, of different locations. You don't have to have a yarding area to make sure that you've got good bedding cover just off of your food plots. Mm-hmm. as tight as you possibly can. Like that's something that we can all kind of do. You mentioned opening up that canopy, getting some of that regeneration. Uh, and b- when we were off air, we were talking about, you know, simply getting treetops down to the ground and how valuable that can be. Can you guys walk me through somebody, either one of you really just walk me through what that looks like to just try to get food down to a deer's level this time of year and how maybe we can turn that into something productive for the spring rather than just going down there, cutting down trees. And then the spring we're like, ah, shoot, I wish I wouldn't have cut that tree down. You know what I mean? So like, how can we kind of double up with maybe a little bit of habitat work, but it's also helping deer for the winter. Right. I guess that's where having a plan comes in just, just so that you know that you're targeting the correct areas when you are taking down trees. So for example, right now in Michigan, a lot of the state received, you know, over 20 inches of snow. And like I said earlier, the, the first couple inches were, kind of that slushy snow so it's solid ice that makes it pretty difficult for those deer to dig through the powder to get through that ice to get to our our late season or winter food plots that we planted a lot of that's covered in ice so one thing that the deer are really going to seek out right now and it's i believe it's around 80 percent of their diet right now in the winter months is woody browse and so if you don't have that on your property right now it's, it's definitely something that you need because again that's one of the primary food sources throughout the winter but one thing that you can do on your property, if you don't have it, or even if you do, it's a good thing to do to, to help out, is just to start dropping trees. It, like, like Josh said, what, you basically are going to bring that treetop onto the ground, and that's going to feed the deer for the next couple weeks. And depending on how many trees you drop, how many deer you have, that'll kind of depend, determine how long it's going to last. But just going out every once in a while and, and dropping a few trees is going to do a lot for that deer herd. They're going to be on that tree within a couple hours of you knocking it down. And right. like, like Josh said, you want to make sure that you're doing this in the appropriate locations. So if let's say you have a food source and you want to back off that food source a little bit and you have an area that you determine, that, hey, this is a spot that I want to enhance for bedding. I want to in- increase the bedding opportunities in this location. Well, take some of the trees that are, that are maybe the non-desirable trees. If, if you have a couple oaks in the area and you want to try to release the release those oaks, you want to cut some trees down around those oaks, pr- produce more early successional growth. You know, maybe you're cutting down the maples, you're cutting down the cherries, the elms, and those they're going to hit the will fo- hit the forest floor on top of the snow, so they're going to be a lot easier for those deer to get to. And then, a lot of times. The larger trees that we don't necessarily want to hinge cut those, those ones we just want to flush cut them because then they're going to start sprouting from the stump. 
And then over time, the next couple of years, that's going to turn into a living bush, which is then going to, one, enhance your bedding area. It's going to cut down sight lines, but it's also going to provide a food source for those deer. So by having that living bush going forward, you know, the deer in the fall can eat that and the deer throughout the winter, they're going to have a, a basically a buffet of all that woody browse going forward because it's going to be there every single year. Right. And these are trees, you know, even if they're, even if we don't want the entire tree in that specific location, like this is something we can come back and deal with the rest of the tree later on too, you know, just emphasizing like just because you're putting them all on the ground, some folks may say, well, I'd rather hack and squirt or girdle and spray and, you know, leave the tree standing. I don't want all that on the ground. It's like you can fell them right now, let the deer benefit from the nutrition and then come back in later on and cut those logs up, move them to where you want them or, or whatever. Uh, any other species? So you mentioned uh, cherry, maple, elm, any other species that we're going to be targeting to maybe get on the ground that are uh, going to be great for this specific purpose? There, there's a lot of, I would say that there are species that are maybe non-desirable species that maybe have a less nutritional value, but even those, like the, the deer will, will target those once the, let's say that the more desirable species are, are browsed heavily on. So like, like I'm thinking of beech, that's not as desirable. Ironwood, that's not as desirable. But I notice in, in on my property back here, once they go through and hammer the red oak, once not the red oak, the, the red maple and, and the um, the elm, they're they're still hitting the ironwood. But that, that's but they won't hit they won't select that until those other species have kind of they've kind of gone through those already. So right, it, I, I would say if it's a if it's a tree that you want, if it's blocking sunlight and you want it on the ground, take it down. And, and right. now I would make sure that you're not taking down, it's okay to cut oaks down. If you just have a forest full of oaks, it's okay to cut oaks. I cut a lot of red oaks down last year and I'm not, I'm not sad about it. The biggest reason was to get sunlight to the forest floor so I can start regenerating some cover to create a bedding area. But I did leave some oaks standing because I still want to have that acorn crop on the years where there's a bumper crop of acorns. But like all those oaks weren't doing me any favors. It was just a deer desert. So by putting those trees on the ground, and I did not opt to hack and squirt. I dropped them because I want that cover on the ground. I want that right. food on the ground. And those those logs, those trunks provide structure and cover. And I can go in there in the spring and, and summer and section pieces of it out, create travel corridors through there, create different pockets for these deer to get in and, and, and bed in there. But uh, as far as species go, ash might be another good one. If you, if you mm-hmm. still have ash on your property, they'd like that one. But I'm just trying to think of just the properties that I see most of the time. We see a lot of you know, hard maple in the upland areas, red maples kind of near those swamps, uh, elm, ash, hickory. Uh, that, another good one, good one in, in our area. Another good one in our area is basswood. Um, believe it or not, deer absolutely love that. Um, and, and ash, we actually do have some ash left on the property, but they're just finally getting the bug. Um, and I cut down quite a few, uh, you know, six inches in diameter or so ash trees, hinged a few of them, um, which, you know, they aren't the best hinging tree, but you can get a couple to stay on the, on the stump if you do it correctly. Um, but the, the deer have absolutely been hammering them in there. Uh, it's, it's, they absolutely love it. It's the best, the best winter food, the easiest winter food to put in really. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we do have a couple down here that, that aren't going to be uh, super helpful. I'm thinking of things like tea tree. We, we have a lot of evergreen types of trees down here that are non-conifer, uh, you know, broadleaf, kind of a waxy leaved um, tree that's an, that is an evergreen. They hold their leaves pretty much year round um, that aren't really going to be good, but pretty much everything you just mentioned there. <clears throat> 
We have as well. We have maple. We have your elms. We have your hickories. Uh, for us, it's hickory that's kind of lower on the list. You know, once they've gone through everything else, then they'll kind of come back around to the hickory. But um, so let's talk a little bit more about maybe uh, some some bedding um, locations that we can establish. Like maybe people aren't going to be doing this right now for this winter, but they're planning for next winter. And they're thinking, man, next time a cold snap or a bunch of snow rolls through like this, I want my deer to be well taken care of. What kind of uh, work can we be planning for or performing so that our deer have a nice, warm place to bed? Yeah, so um, actually I have a good experience with this because our family farm is directly adjacent to an old Christmas tree farm. Um, so we literally have about 80 acres of thermal protection, the, the best thermal protection you can get. Nice. And after, you know, over the years where families have went in and cut out trees, there's beautiful pockets of browse in there. Uh, it's, it's absolutely perfect. So the best thing that I would recommend for all my clients, and I do recommend all my clients, um, especially being in, the, in northern states like this, the thermal protection is, is so key. But the first thing you need to do is you need to go establish that bedding area. Um, and to me, a bedding area is a place that we are going to get sunlight to the ground and get that, that uh, security cover and that browse at deer level. After that is done, that's when I'm going to go in there and I'm going to plant con- uh, pockets of conifers, you know, three to five in a bunch, um, not in a row, just kind of sporadically put in and throughout that bedding area to add that diversity. Um, but the first thing you need to do is obviously get those trees on the ground first, open up the canopy, or else you're just going to be ruining every tree you put you put in there. Um, another quick tip that you, that you should probably use is if you are establishing, let's say, the white cedar that I was talking about earlier, you're definitely going to want to try to tuck that back and plant it within one of the trees that you have dropped. That's going to act as that seclusion cage, making sure that deer are not going to browse it down and, and kill it, um, especially with your, when you're talking about a desired tree like that white cedar they're most likely going to eat it um, before it gets established. So tucking that back in there is going to allow you to get that established without having to go out there and put a, a cage on every single one of them. Um, some other species that I use is you know, Norway spruce, white spruce, depending on the depending on the area and the sunlight and the soil. Uh, those ones, I don't have issues with deer browsing, um, but the, the white cedar, you're going to have issues. So definitely, definitely try to save that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I, I, I tried a strategy that didn't really work, guys. I, I took a, a stack of blankets and set it out, and it didn't it didn't work. They didn't uh, they didn't use it. They didn't snuggle up to it. But any you know, it just <laughs> I I thought for sure that it would be important to them. Now I saw I saw a grin on Jake's face a second ago when I said they could, where they can have a nice warm place to bed down, and Jake kind of smiled a little bit, and it made me immediately think of having blankets out there for them. So yeah, sorry uh, I recommended that one to you, Josh. <laughs> yeah, you know what I I thought that you were trustworthy. Uh, I thought that I could believe in you. But you thought uh, wrong. I thought wrong. So, it, Jake, any anything to add to that? No, I, I think Brennan nailed it. We're we're trying to to add thermal protection uh, on our property as well. Like they're gonna in in the fall, they really like that high stem count, that woody browse. But now that we're getting into the the winter, winter's finally showing up. We're getting a lot of snow. They're really gonna start gravitating to to those thermal thermal areas. Like a lot of times, you'll get you'll get that on the leeward side of a hill. And so a lot, a lot of times that's a south-facing slope, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a south-facing slope. It's really just anywhere out of the wind. So if you have a, a strong east wind, you might notice all the deer are bedding on the west side of the hill because they're just right. trying to get out of the wind. And, and so you want to try to make sure you have diversity on your property, not, not only 
diversity with your food food plots, but diversity with with the bedding habitat as well. You want to make sure that you're having a lot of you know, these woody browse, you know, more fall uh, focused bedding areas. But also, if you have enough room, you see these are the guys that have larger properties to try to have these thermal bedding areas as well, like like Brent mentioned, the Christmas tree farm. Uh, here in Michigan, you see a, a lot of it with, uh, I have had a lot of great success with white pine. You know, deer, one deer really like to browse on it. So like Brennan said, when you plant it, you either have to cage it or tuck it in a treetop that you've dropped just so the deer uh, don't browse it heavily uh, as it's young. And you still kind of got to watch out for them as they get older because the bucks will destroy them with, you know, as they rub on them uh, during the rut. But th those are the areas, once they've reached, uh, not maturity, but once they get a little older, you know, that those are the areas that these deer are are seeking out to bed down in. You know, I, I just walked my property the other day and I just kind of went down in this little dip, a, a, not not much of an elevation change, maybe a five foot drop, but there's a couple white pines there. That's where all the deer were bedded. You know, there were probably mm. five, five different beds around three different white pines. And it's, you know, th I'd have a, a really nice, uh, a cut hinge cut bedding area, you know, uh, traditionally drop trees in there, a lot of sunlight, a lot of woody brows, but that area isn't as attractive right now when it's really cold, wind chills below 20, as a, you know, opposed to this uh, thermal bedding area, you know, that's that's just maybe 50 yards away. They're able to get out of the snow, like Brennan said, that those those trees will basically act as an umbrella or a roof, and it, there's this, there's less snow underneath those trees, and they they conserve just a little bit more energy by staying maybe you know one or two degrees warmer under those trees and that that makes a huge difference for these deer they're 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 trying to survive you know every every calorie they save is something that they don't have to go out and go get so everything that you can do on your property just to add a little bit more for those deer if, if you have room guys with smaller properties it gets to, it gets more difficult to do this because you have to put a lot more in but it went if you have a little bit of a larger property, even 40 acres, you, you can find room for this stuff. But just try to make sure that you have a conifer or a, a thermal bedding area or several of those established. Or, or definitely make sure you mix them in to your, your fall your fall bedding areas as well, like, like Brendan said. Yeah, that's really, really good. And, and I think that's an important point, too. Of like it, it, Even though we're not setting up, you know tiny little homes for these deer to keep them roasty toasty throughout the winter. We're, we're talking gradients of difference, right? We're just, we're talking very small uh, things that may actually make all the difference in the world though. And like you said, none of us are in an area where we've got a lot of winter die off or anything like that, but uh, it doesn't mean that it's not something that's important and something we should certainly be paying attention to. Uh, another thing that we can do when it's really, really cold, if the snow is really, really deep, we can just be careful about the way we approach the property. We can just, stay out, not do a ton of four-wheeler riding through the property or whatever. You know, a lot of, th a lot of people think, oh, deer season's over. Let's go tear it up on the property. Have a great time. That's all fine and good. I'm all for it. Um, but maybe reconsider if there's, you know, really, really cold temperatures coming through for a couple of days. Maybe we just don't push it. Like maybe we just stay out for, for a little bit of an extended time. So, uh, guys, anything else before we wrap this thing up? No, I think you, you made a good point there. It, like if, if you just have to understand what you want to accomplish on your property, not every property owner is going to have the same goals. And like if I if you did have the Christmas tree farm next to your property or like just an area where these deer are going to yard up and that's where they're going to hang out in the winter, you don't always have to – I think Sam touched on this in a previous episode. You don't have to always provide everything on your property. If you right. have something, especially outside of the hunting season here in Michigan, the deer aren't really seeking that thermal cover in during the hunting season. It's it's after the hunting season. 
Now, if there was no thermal protection in the area and that's something that was really needed, you might want to think about that. But if there is an area next door where there's a lot of thermal cover and those deer can be, be safe in there outside of the hunting season, no one can hunt them anyways, it might not be as big of a priority for you. And also, like you said, Josh, that allows you to get on your property to do more work. If you have all the deer right. on your property during the winter, that some that, that might handicap you with what you're able to do because then you are bumping those deer every time you go in. They're burning calories and you're hurting the herd, really. You're, you're uh, having a neg- you are having a negative impact, even though you're kind of going in there to try to help them. If you're kicking them off every time, you know, it, it could be detrimental. You know, I, right. I've had some uh, decent spots in my properties over, over the the last several uh, ones that I've had, and but I've never really had like the the the, the premier thermal uh, or a winter yarding area. Like they, they like every once in a while they'd, they'd come in and, and you'd have them uh, feed in your winter food plots and, and and hang out in your conifers. But you know, I I don't, I don't think I've ever had the hangout. But I, I've also liked that. Because then I can go in anytime I want and not worry about bumping deer and, and causing them to burn all their calories to, to where I'm, I'm bringing in a, a not as healthy of a herd into the spring. So just something that's kind of devil's advocate a little bit, but just something else to consider that yeah. depending on what your goals are. Yeah, no, I think that's a I think that's a great point. We don't like and and I think I mentioned this last time. Oftentimes, if we try to do too much on our property, we end up not doing any of it very well. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we do have things on neighboring properties that we can take advantage of, such as a Christmas tree farm, by all means, let that do what that does well, which is provide thermal cover during the winter. So, all right, guys, we're going to wrap this one up, folks. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to check this out on YouTube and find us on Instagram. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you found this helpful, do us a favor and leave us a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram at whitetail underscore partners, on Facebook, Whitetail Partners LLC, on YouTube by simply searching Whitetail Partners, or online at whitetailpartners.com. 